0: To on the clock nfl draft show this is episode number 31 we're coming to you twice this week this evening we are live me and my guy nino brown and nino brown underscore t2t we are here with the author of the beast the nfl draft guru dane brugler at dp brugler on the twitter dane how's it going my guy
1: it's going good. Yeah, We had college football this weekend, right? So plenty of reasons to be excited about that. Um, you know, it's my, my top 50 uh, my, my, my first top 50 of the draft process drops tomorrow. So I'm excited about that Uh on the athletics. So hopefully people check that out. Um, you know, this is the starting point, right? This is where lay the foundation, the, the groundwork for what's going to be the next eight months of our lives as we, you know, break these players down, figure out where they're going. So, uh, no, I'm excited for it.
0: Man, excellent. I know Nino's excited for college football. You got any games you're watching this weekend?
2: Yeah, I like uh, I like the Ohio-San Diego State game. I like, you know, Curtis Rock. I like uh, Mekhi Shaw for the Aztecs. But, obviously, it's going to be the Navy-Notre Dame game. I want to see Hotman put on the, you know, the Kelly Green and and see what he can do coming back from, from last year. But I'm excited to talk, to pick Dane's brain. And, and I got a couple guys I want to just ask a few questions about. Seems that it's a couple of my guys came up in this discussion.
0: <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So I know, Dane, we mentioned you do the beast every year, you know, over there at the athletic. Dane's also doing prospect pros, which I know I, I listen to it on Spotify. I'm sure it's on Apple Podcasts. And I know you guys are releasing an episode this week that I've been listening to kind of touching base on, you know, some of these players from the previous two draft class. But I want to get into some players you know, at the start of the show from last year's draft class, the 2023 cycle, let's catch up a little bit. Now we get to see these teams because it's interesting. Some guys take a major step, you know, when they go to the pros, some guys take a step back when they go to the pros and then some guys, Look like they did, you know, like a Tajay Spears, like a Tank Dell, like a Zay Flowers. It seems to be that those guys, the question was, would the speed change for them when they got to the NFL? And then, you know, I know they're playing against, you know, not first stringers at the moment, but the the, the game speed doesn't look to be affecting these guys. But I want to start with Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt, Dane. All right. So 2022, 12 games, 67 receptions, 1,267 yards, you know, vertical guy for Tennessee offense. What are you seeing from Jalen Hyatt out there with the New York Giants? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, the big question will be what's his exact role going to be. That was all. That was the question leading up to the draft. Uh, could he be more than just your take the top off a of defense type of receiver, mm-hmm. that vertical one cut route runner? Um, and usually for wide receivers, it does take time get that chemistry going, get that timing down. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of receivers maybe get acclimated quickly in the last few years, you guys, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave last year, uh, you know, some of these guys, but for a player like Jalen Hyatt, I think it's going to take some time. And it, how did exactly they use him in New York with that offense? Uh, it, it, I'm very interested to see because I, obviously the bread and butter is that deep stuff and you don't want to take that away, but what else will they sprinkle in with Jalen Hyatt to give him just that added experience. Um, they've got a, a interesting wide receiver depth chart, and that that <laughs> factors in as well. Where you don't necessarily have uh, you know that that alpha, but you've got guys like Darius Slayton, uh, Paris Campbell, um, slot guys like Wondell Robinson, um, a possession guy like Isaiah Hodgins, and then you got Jalen Hyatt. And so, how does he fit in? So, I, I'm definitely eager to see how
2: that plays out.
0: Excellent. This next guy is Nino's guy. So, Nino, I'll let you take this one.
2: All right, uh, Tank Dell, Houston Texans, you know, went there in the third round. Uh, At Houston, he, you know, in 13 games, he had 109 receptions. He was super twitchy, super electric, 1,400 yards, close to 13 yards uh, per reception, 17 touchdowns. I mean, what he did in Houston seems to be what he's doing in Houston again. um, He debuted in NFL with a PFF grade of 84.3, had five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. I know, like, early in camp, they were kind of, like, saying, you know, he was having trouble acclimating himself, but it seems as though as the preseason went on and camp started to unfold, he's really locking it down. So what are your thoughts? Cause that's another wide receiver room. That's kind of up in the air.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, another interesting wide receiver depth chart with the Texans, right? I mean, you have uh Nico Collins who uh, this could be a breakout year for him. Um, uh, John Mechie coming in. I uh, didn't play last year. Obviously, hopefully he's able to stay on the field and, uh, you know, because he is a really talented guy with what we saw at Alabama. Uh, hopefully he's able to stay out there because this guy brings a lot of juice to that offense. And then they bring in Robert Woods, that veteran. So with, with a tank Dell, where does he fit? Where does he get onto the field? Uh, obviously the size is not ideal, 5'8", 165. Uh, but, you know, the, the start-stop acceleration, that, that yeah. short area quickness, that burst. Uh, the quick hands, uh, you can use that. And so another guy is a, just a lot of quick hitters with him. Um, you know, what role does he play? Uh, I it, It'll be interesting because with C.J. Stroud, you, assuming he's – I don't think they officially named him the starter, but we no. all assume it's going to be yeah. C.J. Stroud. Uh, you want to help him out as much as possible. And a guy like Tank Dow, he can get open pretty quickly and give you those quick windows, those catch-and-run opportunities. So I, I think it makes sense that we'll see him, him on the field as well as Stroud.
2: Real quick, I wanted to ask a question about Hyatt. You had said it's going to take a little bit of time, right? Now, yeah. when I, I looked and did a little research, it's only Wandell Robinson and Hyatt that have long-term contracts over there. I know they have, like, you know, a dozen slot guys. You know, they right. brought Cole Beasley and I think, too, right? So, like, there's, like, a dozen guys there. So, who do you – like, I mean, I know it will take some time, but I'm assuming, you know, with the draft capital and him having the longevity in the contract, they're going to try to contour, you know, the offense to him somewhat, right?
1: Yeah, but I, I think we also have to factor in this is a team that was in the playoffs last year. So this right. is, a, I think, a team that they they believe they're going to make the playoffs again. And so I, you want to get Jalen Hyatt as much usage as possible. But at the same time, you're going to play the, the guys that give be you the best chance to win. And so, you know, whether that is uh, a guy like Darius Slayton, who Slayton and Hyatt kind of are very – Similar in what they right. offer. They're that vertical type of guy. I mean, Daniel Jones, you know, I, I think that he's probably has a little bit more comfort with Slayton at this point. But again, Hyatt is so explosive. Last year, he had, I think, what, seven catches of 50 plus yards? Right. Like that, you can use that. And even if he starts as your fourth receiver, uh, getting him on the field, and then who knows by Halloween, Jalen Hyatt, maybe a little bump up in uh, offensive snaps and the route usage and uh, the play calls and how we're trying to manufacture the touches for him. So um, it'll start a little bit slow, but yeah, I I think that we'll have to check back in after Halloween and see just how those first two months went.
0: It seemed like with Jalen Hyatt, you know, the the temperature with him was hot and cold. There were a lot of people really high on Hyatt, but then there was a lot of yeah. people who weren't so high on Hyatt. So it was interesting to me that he went four picks after Tank Dell, you know, in the mm-hmm. NFL draft. And we got to see Tank Dell down at the Senior Bowl, and we were saying when we were down there, if the quarterback play was a little bit better <laughs> – Tank Dell's stock would have been, I think, even higher because there were so many plays when he was just blowing DBs away, but they weren't connecting with him. And there's there's something, you know, maybe this is lazy analysis, but there's something (laughs) he said about the wide receiver coming down with the ball and finishing the catch and running into the end zone like that. It puts the exclamation point on what you're seeing. And and he had the opportunity. And I don't think the quarterbacks helped him out. But this is a guy, this next guy, Zay Flowers, 22nd overall pick. This guy, you know, he was huge throughout the process. And then late in the process started to surge again. There was buzz about him possibly being the first wide receiver off the board. All right, now, you know, we don't even really have to even touch on what he did at Boston College because everybody knows who Zay Flowers is. He's one of the most explosive players in in, in college football last year. And what we kind of said when we were analyzing him last offseason was it's almost like he's too explosive for his own good. Like everything he does is so abrupt and so sudden. Like the, the subtle nuances to his game, like kind of setting up a defender, a jab step. Like he doesn't do that because he, he doesn't need to, but he might need to at the next level. He's looked fine so far. <laughs> What are your thoughts on Zay Flowers?
1: Yeah, going to Baltimore, uh, you know, they've reworked that wide receiver room, right, with adding in uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, You know, hopefully, um, uh, who's our Minnesota receiver um, first rounder a couple years ago?
2: Justin Uh, Justin Jefferson?
1: No, 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 no. Oh shoot. Oh Bateman. Uh, Bateman Yes, thank you. Rashad Bateman. Sorry. Oh, just Minnesota. Totally left my mind there. Uh, but it, hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully he's on the field. And you know, but Zay Flowers is gonna play, he's gonna play a lot. And I'm most interested to see do they use him as a, as a true three level threat? Is he more of just your underneath guy? Um, you know, does he work primarily at the slot? Just how how do they use him in that 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 monk in offense? Um, you know, yeah. the Lamar Jackson's got the contract, he's ready to go. But a lot of the things around him are going to look a little bit different this year. It uh, feels like it's an offense ready to take off. And Zay Flowers is definitely a part of that. He brings so much energy to that offense. Um, and we saw it just this past week on, on uh, against Washington, you know, with yeah. opening drive. he That, that little, that, that, that delayed release from the bunch formation, that, that short area quickness uh gets, gets quickly, uh, gets open, and then you see the elusiveness. You see the ability to follow the blocks into the end zone. Um, I, I don't know about deep how much he's going to factor in, but he's going to get a lot of those quick targets, those catch-and-run opportunities. It'll be fun to see how that exact role evolves throughout the season.
0: Yeah, Baltimore went up against Washington, and I didn't plan on going this route, but they were a little feisty at camp. You know, and then one of the guys who was being feisty at camp was Emmanuel Forbes. This hmm. guy is 160 pounds. There was questions, can he hold up to, like, playing in the NFL? And I've seen him come downhill in practice. Now he's coming downhill in preseason games. What do we think about the size? Do we think the size is going to be as much of a factor or you think he's going to figure it out?
1: I mean, you can't ignore the size. You know, you just don't ignore a guy that's uh was 166 pounds at the, yeah. at the combine. Yeah. Um, and this isn't a guy that's – you know, it's like Tank Dell was 164 pounds or whatever, and he's five eight. You know, so that that's a little more proportionate. Uh, this guy's almost six uh, one. Oh. He he he's six and a half, six foot and a half and change. But so it, it, you don't ignore that, especially for a guy that needs to be physical, that needs to come downhill. I, I'm not worried about the mentality. It's more so just as physical as he wants to play can his body answer the call every single time against some of these physical NFL receivers some of these backs uh that, that are going to be on the outside that he has to come downhill and tackle so you know can those shoulders hang hold up can uh just the physical nature mentality wise not worried at all but just the physicality can he do it I mean I I I, I understand betting on him though um what the last I think the last six years, uh, his final three years in high school and his first three years at Mississippi State, he had a total of 30 interceptions. Like this, this, the ball finds him, and it's just not a coincidence. This is a guy that has the ball skills, has the anticipation. Uh, He understands what what receivers are trying to do with their route. He understands what the offense is trying to do with the quarterback. So I I understand betting on that. But, you know, it's okay to have concerns about the size just because it's – just so rare to see a guy that's skinny at that position hold up long term but at the same time it's also rare to see a guy get his hands on the football so much uh and and usually those ball skills that translates pretty well so uh totally understand why Washington wanted to bet I was a little surprised he went ahead of Christian Gonzalez uh Deontay Banks but not surprised he went in the first round not surprised uh Washington's pretty excited about him
2: uh, and a question about uh, Zay Flowers. Now, I'm kind of partial because I'm up here in Massachusetts and I got to see Zay a lot last year, but he, he did things that I, the numbers don't speak enough because the quarterback play out of Phil Jericho right. was so up and down, you know. Um, but in that offense, I had a feeling I wanted to ask you but before the injury to JSN, was there, was there a possibility that Zay Flowers could outproduce JSN year one? Now, down the road, I'm not saying because that's all going to change, but year one. I think Zay Flowers could be more of a target than JSN because he's got two other alphas in front of him where Baltimore's wide open.
1: Yeah, no, I, that's definitely fair. Um, yeah, with because Udo Beckham, I mean, you, you feel like it, it he's going to be part of this mix and, you know, an important part of that offense. But is he going to start 17 games? Probably not. I mean, he'll, he'll probably be banked up at some point. Rashad Bateman. Uh, a guy with an injury history uh will he be able to play 17 games uh, you hope but you know it, that seems like uh probably more unlikely than than, than likely uh zay flowers meanwhile I, I feel like he's gonna be part of this offense uh like a huge uh guy that's heavily targeted from day right. one uh from from week one all the way throughout the season and, and like i said a lot of those quick hitters that they like to run uh you know could be on boots could be on nakeds could it be on uh just any type of misdirection you want to run out of the slot work in the middle of the field catch and run um you're gonna get zay flowers quickly worked into the mix here and so yeah jsn with the wrist injury maybe out a little bit but um i think it to be totally fair to bet on zay flowers being the most productive rookie uh in terms of the pass catchers this year
0: We'll we'll make a little bet, you know. I'm still either, either <laughs> injury. I'm willing. I don't. My money. I, I for some reason. I just. I see. I think ASN wins rookie of the year. I think. I think he does. Yeah, it makes I, sense,
1: I, right? I mean, he go into that offense where There'd be plenty of opportunities in the slot uh, with those, you know, Lockett and Metcalf on the outside, and uh, the, you know they they want to be. A, the only thing that would maybe um, hinder it a little bit is I know they want to be more balanced, you know, with the run game. Uh, that's why they drafted. Zach Charbonnet as early as they did, you know, Kenny Walker is obviously still there. So the run game definitely is a big part of what they want to be, but still JSN is going to get open. He's going to be a big part of that offense. Um, Yeah. I I think that Zay Flowers, JSN, I, I get why, I mean, there's definitely an argument there to be had about who's going to be the better producer this year uh, as rookies.
0: All right. I'm going to jump to one of these last ones before we move to 2024. I want to talk about Ivan Pace. Minnesota Vikings undrafted free agent. He's another guy who was at the senior bowl solid, you know, he's 5'10, 231 pounds, but he was 10th in the FBS with 125 total tackles in 2021. What are your thoughts on Ivan pace? It seems to me, I've heard, you know, he's, he's climbing up the depth charts. They're saying now he's ahead of Asamoah on the depth chart. So what, what are your thoughts on pace?
1: Yeah, and you know you, that's why they released uh, or why they drafted Brian Asamoah uh, the year before because they they probably thought Eric Eric Kendricks probably not going to be long term here could be a a, a a cut coming up here and so a guy like Pace you weren't sure exactly where he's going to be drafted you love the tape you love oh, yeah. what he did in college uh, over 125 tackles each of the last two years. Uh, you know the what he did in the backfield as a as a uh, as a blitzer. I mean, he had double-digit sacks this year. Uh, forced fumbles were there. Tackles for loss. I mean, the, as productive as a linebacker as you're going to find. But it's just okay. He's undersized. Uh, he's not a long player. Um, good athlete, but not a, an amazing athlete. And so, where, where what role is he going to play? What defensive scheme? Like I, you knew he wasn't going to be for everybody. A little surprised he went undrafted. I thought maybe in the later round somebody, you know, would take a chance on him. But not surprised that you know, getting into a camp, uh, he's been able to really uh, make a difference because this is a guy that he's just a violent player, mean spirited. Uh, there's just no passiveness to him with the way he plays he's instinctive he plays violent plays hard uh, has some experience on special teams and that'll be important for him just to uh you know show that you know i can that, that's part of what i do and what would you get with me sticking on the roster um yeah it's good to see him show out because i thought he deserved to be drafted based off of what he put on tape um and you know i it won't be surprised if you know seven years from now he's still in the league because he, he's got the makeup that you need uh to make it at the nfl level awesome.
2: he, he transferred from my miami of ohio to cincinnati to go play with his brother to elevate his brother's game and his own game right they wanted to run it out dude had 21 and a half tackles for loss last year and now yeah. his brother is getting talked about as a top 15 20, maybe 20 linebacker in, in this draft so it's like they, they got it, and they, they both play the same way. They're just little balls of fire that just like to blow yeah. up into, into, the, into the running back in QB, so I'm with it. All right,
0: we're, we're going to move on, but before we move on, I'm pretty fired up. But, Nino, you know, there's some people who don't get as fired up about things as we get about <laughs> the NFL draft, and they need a little help. All right, so so tell them how they can get this help, my guy. Well, they
2: can go over to Toad Tales and click that link, that dumpy link, and they can get that jitterless energy. You need an energy drink, something that's clean and tastes well? Click that link, get 10% off. W, that's where you need to be.
0: All right, all right. And I know you don't need W when you're talking about this next guy. We're going to the 2024 class, and Dana, I'm going to tell you, we're doing him <laughs> or him right now, okay? And yeah. this first one is between two quarterbacks and one of the well, – and you know, you know what? The floor is yours, my guy. You go ahead. These, these right. you?
2: So I'm, I'm I'm, a Bo Nicks guy. I was a Bo Nicks guy when he was getting – ran through the ringer at Auburn. Okay, so I got the jersey this to show that I, I, I'm the fan. I'm not the fair-weather guy. But I'm also a Penix guy. And I think they're both coming out of what's going to be the end of the Pac-12, pretty much. And these guys are similar in ways. And then there's one way that kind of sticks out. Like, Penix, my question with Penix, I know he's got the big arm. You know, he can move himself in the pocket to extend plays. Um, it's just the injuries. I mean, one out of five years, he's able to complete a full season. Now, Bo's got the bad history to start, right? He looked awful, couldn't manage himself, couldn't make plays on the run, couldn't read progressions. Now in Oregon, with Lanning, and weapons in an offense that he is pretty much made for him, right? He's a legitimate dual-threat quarterback, had 41 total touchdowns, even had a receiving touchdown, 14 rushing touchdowns. He averaged five yards per carry. He can make all the throws on the move. I'm not going to lie. His arm gets a little, little short when he's on the run, but he's great in the short and intermediate on the run. Right now, before the season's played out, Bo or Penix?
1: For me, it's pretty easy. I think it's Bo. Um, I'm, I, I'm not a Penix guy. Um, you know, like not a guy that I see as a, as a top 75 guy in the draft. Um, you know, I, I, I like, I like a lot of what Penix has done. I just don't see him as that top 75 type of prospect. And trust me. I, I've heard from plenty of Washington fans, uh, <laughs> over the summer who are not happy with that, but look, like, Bo Nix, one thing that I, I like to look at when it comes to quarterback prospects is how do they hold up versus the blitz? Um, And some guys struggle with that pressure. Other guys are uh, a little more advanced. And Bo Nix, you think about what he did at Auburn, you know, seeing all that ex- all that experience that he had, seeing SEC competition mm-hmm. early and then going to Oregon last year. He had his completion percentage against the blitz last year over 70 percent. Uh, which is just – it's a remarkable number for a college quarterback. Uh, But I think it speaks to his poise, his ability to be mobile, use his legs, extend plays, those second-chance opportunities. Uh, That second-reaction plays, they're all over his tape. So whether he's uh, evading or it's a design uh, kind of rollout, whatever it is, I don't don't have any questions about his toughness. Um, I think he's a very natural thrower. He throws with accuracy. He Mm -hmm. throws with zip. Um, I, I wish he tested outside the numbers a little bit more I, I think uh, that's and this is an offense at Oregon offense at least last year they're about 60 40 um, yes. run the pass and so it, it's something that they didn't rely on Bo Nix and that zone read scheme to uh, push the ball with with his arm now he could do it especially on post throws I mean, he, he was outstanding post thrower um, but he's a guy that Really, the the improvements he made from Auburn to Oregon were were really really impressive. I mean, the decision making was better. Um, you know, the way that he just controlled the game was better. Um, it, the self inflicted wounds, the mental errors, right. uh, th- those were way down. So no, I'm I'm not sold on Bo Nix as being a like a first rounder guy. I think he's a day two player. I think he's someone. Um, you know, second round, third round, somewhere in the top. Like I, I, I mentioned before, I was working my top 50 and Bo was right there on the border of whether he makes it or whether he doesn't. So I, you know, I'm not saying he, he's a definite first round pick or anything like that, but there's a lot about his game that will translate pretty well to the next level.
2: If he repeats, Oh, sorry, coach. If he
1: repeats from last year, does that put him in the first round? It certainly could because uh, he'd be doing it with a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, doing it with, uh, it, you know, it, it's one thing to, it's almost like he went into last year with like, okay, you know, he didn't cut it at Auburn. So, you know, we'll see what he does at Oregon. Um, I don't think the expectations are necessarily there. He felt just felt like a little more loose. Okay. Well now there's expectations, right. uh, both for Oregon and for Bo Nix uh, more so than last year. What does he do to answer those? Cause you, know, you want to see how the guys answer the adversity to have some of the low moments at Auburn, you know, his legacy there, um, and kind of just yeah. it not work out for him to overcome that adversity and do what he did last year at Oregon. If he does that again, uh, yeah, especially like I said, with a new play caller, uh, that'll certainly, if I think for
2: some teams, could could definitely get him in that first round discussion. He's got all the wide receiver talent he needs, probably one of the top 10 rooms in the country. Yeah, no no doubt about that.
0: You mentioned him being outside the top fifty, you know, your top fifty. And the thing about quarterbacks is you can be outside the top fifty and somebody could like you and somebody can take that's you in right. the first round. Yeah. It's much more likely for that to happen at the quarterback position than any and, other position yeah. out there. So yeah. if that's going to happen, but now let's say you had a finger on the line. All right, you could you could lose a finger, you could keep a finger, you had to guess who's the second quarterback off the board. Who would it be?
1: The second quarterback drafted after Caleb Williams. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'd be pretty surprised if it's not Drake May. Um, I mean, I think there's at least, um, you know, a percentage chance that he's the first quarterback drafted. Um, I think it'll be Caleb, uh, but it's not like a hundred percent, you know, I I think there's enough people that like Drake May that you just, you can't rule it out. Uh, that that's how good Drake May is. Um, he's six, four, he's got, he looks the part. Uh, there's a lot of Justin Herbert there. You know, if you like Justin Herbert, you're going to like Drake May. Um, so I, You know he is. I'll be absolutely shocked if Drake May is not that second quarterback drafted. Um, I, I'll just I'll I'll say it this way. I will be shocked if the first three, barring injury, I'll be shocked if the first three picks in whatever order are not Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, Not exact that exact order. Maybe Marvin Harrison goes two, or you know Drake May. I don't whatever. I'll be shocked if those are not the first three players drafted uh, in April.
2: You don't think Phil Longo's absence has any effect on Drake May next year whatsoever? Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. Phil Longo, offensive quarter. You don't think his absence has any effect on Drake May? Because down the stretch, there was no adjustment for Drake May. And it was noticeable.
1: Yeah, well, uh, honestly, I think it could end up being a positive. Um, You know, and nothing against Phil Longo. But, you know, his offenses, they're, 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 they're not really uh, preparing you for the NFL game um, okay. and, and not that they should. I mean, Phil Longo's job is to win college football games, you know? <laughs> and so, but the Chip Lindsay coming in, I think they're going to be more balanced. I, I think that they're going to ask him to do a little bit, uh, a few different things, uh, especially with, you know, no more Josh downs and right. um, you know, the offense just being a little bit different personnel wise. Um, I think it can end up being a positive that he, you know, did it in Phil Longo's offense, uh, last year, and he's going to do it in a different offense this year. Um, so at the end of the day, even if the production is not the same, even if he's not in New York for the Heisman, uh, ceremony, I do think it could end up being a positive for him, uh, just working in a different system, um, or just, you know, yeah, exactly. Doing some different things. So that it doesn't worry me that all that much. Okay.
0: All right. I know we only got you for a few more minutes. I got a few more questions I want to get through this next one. Him or him. It's Michigan running backs. I know some people love Donovan Edwards. Some love Blake Blake Corm. Blake Corm, 5'8", 200 pounds. He's an elusive shifty back at 1,463 yards last year. Donovan Edwards, he's a downhill banger. He's a very good catcher. I think he's got great body control at the catch point. So it's, you know, which flavor? Where are we going?
1: I I go back and forth because I like these two (laughs) players a lot. Uh, To my opinion, these are the two best backs in in college football. Um, I I think that if the draft were tomorrow, I would bet on them being the first two running backs drafted. Uh, But like you said, they offer two very different skill sets. And so it depends on what you're looking for as an offense. Um, I think Donovan Edwards is probably a little more built for the modern NFL with what he does in the passing game. Uh, just the the way he can make guys miss. And just, I mean, that Purdue game, uh, the Big Ten Championship game, he he was unbelievable. Uh, I I mean, just uh, making guys miss and the way he could string together moves, the the quickness. um, And so Donovan Edwards is is so much fun to watch. But Blake Corum, man, I mean, this guy is... Uh, the vision, the decision making, the lower body strength, uh, the way he can spin out of contact, the, the way he the instinctive nature. He pairs his feet with his eyes is so, so impressive. Runs low to the ground naturally uh, as a shorter player. Uh, but, you know, I, I just there, there's energy in his movements that it just it feels like something's going to happen every time he touches the ball. And, you know, regardless, both these backs, they're, they're going to be productive this year. They're playing on an offense where he's got a really talented quarterback uh the offensive line might be the best offensive line in college football so donovan edwards blake Corum, these two guys are going to be super productive and i think uh again spoiler uh both do appear in my top 50 uh to to start the season that's how high i I am on both of them
0: do you have trey benson in your top five running backs uh
1: i do yeah um trying to think my top five is uh it's funny i started the summer and i did my running backs it was like Blake Corum was one, Braylon Allen, two, Donovan Edwards, three. And then watching more of these guys, I mean, you know what? Donovan Edwards, he's, he's he just more offers more for today's NFL. So I went Edwards, Blake Corum, Um, I think Braylon A- Allen. Um, I think then it was Trey Benson, uh, at you that got point. And Raheem then Sanders, uh, I'm trying to think who was five, it might have been Shipley. Um, okay. From Clemson, who I, I like uh, quite a bit, uh, if not him, uh, Trayvon Henderson from Ohio State, he's also there. So, um, Rocket Sanders, Arkansas. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's there's some good running backs in
2: this class. All right, Nino, you got the next one. All right, uh, people back home, we had a little discussion, and this is a topic that's been coming up, and it's been a topic of college football, because if you take Marvin Harrison Jr. out of the picture, he doesn't exist, okay? Yeah. I've been saying upon the table that Ibuka is wide receiver one, in all of college football, outside of Marvin Harrison. And okay. for some reason, people aren't really seeing that because they like the shiny toy that they've been seeing for the last, you know, few months. And obviously, in you know, in the playoff where he just kind of went off. But Booker is a dude, 4'3 yeah. speed, 36 and half inch vertical. He's got good body control. He's explosive off the line of scrimmage. He can get in and out of his cuts, right? His height, speed, his size, his aggressiveness. He was, you know, Paul Honig, uh finalist last year. He's violent at the point of attack. He can go up in 50-50 balls. you have been seeing him just ball out and camp all over these DBs. I feel bad for Denzel Burke. Um, 74 receptions, almost 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, had two rushing touchdowns with Marvin Harrison there, and he had 482 yards after the catch. So is it Mbuka or is it Xavier Worthy, who you know rumored to have an injury last year. He's got a little bit more speed in him, right? Uh, I think he's like a high 4-2 speed or 4-3 right around there. Better route runner, right? He's got Edward Sisson hands when it comes to his cuts in and out. But he had inconsistent play last year, and Bijan being number one option in Texas kind of took away from him. So is it Xavier Worthy or Mecca Ibuka for you?
1: Uh, pretty easy for me, uh, it's Ibuka. Um, I I'm not really a worthy guy. I mean, I like him, um, but if we're talking about, I mean, Ibuka is a, a first round player. Um, if, if we're talking about even like top 50 players uh, you know worthy uh you know he, he's not really in that mix for me he's what about you know, neighbors he, what's that
0: what about neighbors
1: yeah you know? I, I like i like neighbor to me it's neighbors and ibuka fighting it out to be that number 2 receiver yep. uh in, in my mind um you know worthy he's 165 pounds, too many yeah. drops uh you know, the there's a lot to his game that you know we'll see he's got this whole season coming up here It's this texas offense will be fun to watch um but yeah with ibuka you know everything he does. Like I don't think you watch him and necessarily just say, "Oh wow, that's definitely a four-three guy." Like he's fast, but everything he does is so subtle. Uh, you know, it's his route running, his speed, the way that he can frame catches and quickly put it away. Um, he's not a make like, a big guy. He's got okay size, but he's mm-hmm. not necessarily big and powerful. Um, everything he does is just pretty crisp. Um, a lot of what we said about JSN we're going to be saying a lot of the same things about Ibuka, except he's a better athlete. So, you know, JSN was a 20th overall pick and Ibuka, I think is probably going to go in that kind of similar range. Uh, we see receivers, you know, they're going to go teams want those playmakers and Ibuka uh, definitely could be that guy. And I mean, I want to see him a little more on the outside. I, I think he, you know, he really blew up this past year when JSN was hurt, he was in the right. slot. So I, I think he's best in the slot. i not, slot only but better in the slot um, and then just maybe do a little bit more in terms of making guys miss um, you know like all, all of his yak pretty much came on uh, runway routes and you know we yeah. had open space uh, he's not gonna make guys miss he's not gonna break a lot of tackles so seeing a little bit more of that this year from Ibuka, um, is something all of my eye on
0: all right, last one. I know you gotta, I, I got to get this last question in because this yeah. is one that me and Nino are to <laughs> on. We're on two sides of this one. And Jeremiah Trotter, junior, yeah. alpha, old man linebacker, even wears number 54. Like that's the first thing that stood out to me, as odd as that sounds. When I see a college linebacker wearing a number like 54, mm. coming downhill, being a thumper, dude, all over the field, 92 tackles, 13 and a half for loss, six and a half sacks. Like, But then there's Barrett Carter. Who's not your the the old man linebacker? This dude's a freak athlete. One of the first plays I seen from him, rushing downhill, lineman goes low, hurdles the lineman, gets the quarterback. Like it was one of the and and I like maybe you know it's window shopping. Like I fell in love right away. And then Dabo Sweeney says he's one of the best pure, pure football players he's had in twenty years. So Jeremiah Trotter Jr. or Barrett Carter in Clemson.
1: Uh, this is a pretty easy one for me. I'm taking a better athlete. Um, and with Carter, uh, you know, he not only does he have this play speed uh, versus run and in coverage, uh, he's he's very twitchy. He's a hyper athletic player, but he also has really strong key and drive skills. Uh, I mean, he sees it. And he goes. Uh, so even though, yeah, he is going to test well. But you also, it pops on film uh, with the way he moves, the way he processes and the way he uh, sees things. He can find passing lanes. He can, uh, you know, the blitz, uh, get after the quarterback. So, and, and that's, Jeremiah Trotter is a good player too. Not not taking anything away from him. It's just, you know, his speed is more average than above average. There are times on tape where I thought he struggled to quickly change directions when he's facing a running back that's cutting against him. Um, but this is a guy that is smart. Uh, Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, he'll strike through the ball carriers as a tackler um you know there's there's a lot of stopping power with what he offers at the point of attack so I, I like both these players but if i'm gonna bet on one of them at this point i it's gonna be Barrett carter i'm, I'm gonna bet with the athlete um uh, in most cases uh definitely this one for me
2: yeah you, you don't think that um jeremiah Trout will be a green dot linebacker in the NFL and have more longevity than carter
1: no i i think that i mean because uh, to me carter is a top 25 top 30 player whereas Trotter's more of a top 50 top 75 type of player so I guess I don't think that Trotter's you know a a six round pick and Bear Carter's a first I don't think there's that type of difference between them Uh, Trotter's just is different with what he offers and so um, absolutely could be a guy that sticks in the NFL a long time because The way the way he processes things, the way uh, everything going on between the years, uh, you know, he he's could be built for the NFL game. He just there's a few areas that you know, okay, what's he going to do in coverage on third down? You know, is he a guy that can carry the tight end down the seam uh, at at the NFL level? Is he a guy that's going to be able to match a wheel route from the back? And can he do some of these things that he'll be asked to do in the NFL? Where I feel a little bit better about Carter being, and, and again, he is undersized, and so is he. You know, kind of like that JOK type of hybrid linebacker, is he? You know, so that there are questions with Barrett Carter as well. Um, but I, more times than not, I'm gonna bet on the athlete. Uh, and that, I think that's what you get with
2: Carter. Yeah. I, I, I know Coach loves him, so I, I was, I, I, I agree with you both, he's a great athlete. But for me, I, what I saw last year, I felt like he was a better linebacker than Simpson was. And Simpson Mm -hmm. was was praised, and and I believe he went what second round, yeah, like thirty four, third round. Yeah, Yeah, I thought, yeah. Oh, so he he fell a little bit further than I thought he would. Yeah. So I I just felt I felt that Trotter is is a better linebacker than Simpson. So I was figuring he was somewhere above him. But I I get what you're saying. You know, you're going to go with the athlete who can probably get you more right off the rip, as far as the guy that can have longevity, but might not produce as much impact off right away. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's fair. I
1: mean, these are two really good linebackers and a uh, reason to be optimistic about that Clemson defense. So, yeah, they, that and Nate, and Nate Wiggins at corner, who I'm super high on. I think he's uh, uh, one of the top three corners in this draft.
2: Can I squeeze one more, Radio? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, because this is my guy. I, I, I call him DB1. I don't know what anybody else sees in Denzel Burke that, that Kool-Aid doesn't have. Is it Kool-Aid McKinsley or is it Denzel Burke? I mean, I, for me, Kool-Aid does everything. Everything you could possibly yeah. do. He, he's physical. He's got length. He's got size. Uh he, he, he don't have a problem getting in the backfield and hitting running backs. I mean, he only had seven run stops. You can ask Bijan about how that felt last year when he, we tackled him on the sideline. Right. He, he's not afraid of anybody. Uh He's a punt returner. And over almost 300 yards in a punt return. So, like, he can do it all. Lock it down, like he says. Lock it in. Denzel Burke had great numbers his first year. But I felt like every, this production kind of fell off the second year. And Kool Aid beat him in every statistical category and every grade you cross the board. So, what's your, what's your thoughts? Who you got, Kool Aid or, or Denzel?
1: Yeah, this is another easy one. It's Kool Aid. Um, and I mean, I, based off of what he put on tape last year, I don't think you can draft Denzel Burke in the first 60 picks. I mean, I, I just, he, I, 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 he had that really nice freshman year, but last year it just, it was rough Drop. and I, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely eager to see him this year to see what he does. You know, what, what do we see from him? Um, I, you know, that Ohio state defense has plenty of dudes. So uh, it, it makes it frustrating watching that tape because you just, so many guys you want to watch, but uh you know, Burke's one of them. You know, we'll see what he does this year. But Kool-Aid he, he's, he's my top rank corner begin the season. Um He's up there as a potential top 10 pick. Um, I don't, I don't think he's going to run like amazing. I think he's probably, I don't know, four, four, seven, you know, like, you know, good speed, but not amazing speed. Um, there are, he he has such a, a, a taller, he's got those long legs, high torso. Uh, So there are times where he needs a moment to gear down, defend those comebacks. And that's usually when he gave up uh, those completions, but he is so good using his length at the catch point um he he does a great job with the body control the balance to to help with his transitions make plays and heck anybody that can start for nick saban uh on defense as a freshman uh especially a a position like corner which is you know it's tough for freshmen but coolie was out there making plays (laughs) and so what he's done the last two years um you know i I expect another big year from him uh this year in 2023 and he'll be right there in that mix to be the first corner off the board
2: Love it. Love it, man. When you look at DBs, right, does it matter to you if they have a bicycle step or a T-step? I've noticed a lot of the guys that I like that close, quick, click, and close have a, a bicycle step, like Dion. A lot of mm. DBs nowadays have a T-step. Who, who do you – what style do you prefer?
1: Well, you know, it, it,
2: something that I've I've learned is it's – these guys are coached differently, right?
1: You know, it's just it, – whether it's, it's side saddle, whether it's – uh, you know, whether it's a pure pedal in terms of uh, you know, the way they react, especially from man. And when they're asked to press, these guys are coached different ways. And so, you know, I, I think it's something during the process is you find out those preferences, you know, you find out, okay, you were coached to do this or this is what you like to do. And so that's a big part of it uh, understanding why they're doing what they're doing out there. And, you know, cause you want them to play fast. You want them to, especially a position like corner, you need them to play fast. And so playing comfortable, playing under control. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a big part of this. And so, you know, I, I, I think that I don't know that I have a preference uh, per se, but corner is my favorite position to evaluate because it's like, it's like a dance, you know, you have your, every step has purpose, mm-hmm. you know, every movement better be, uh, have some purpose or you're going to be caught out of position. You're up a catch. Uh, possibly something more. So I'm a I'm a big fan of just studying the corner position and just understanding the dance that what they're trying to do compared to the receiver.
0: Man, beautiful. We we're, we're big fans of you, man, and yeah. I appreciate you coming on like you 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 brought it this evening. And one of the like one of the things I get out of talking to you is when I'm looking at these prospects hearing the way you describe it, you're more so projecting what the NFL is going to want them to do. And that's definitely something I need to consider. It's one thing to watch them doing what they're supposed to be doing in college, but it's another thing to imagine them on an NFL roster, playing for an NFL team, doing what a defensive coordinator is asking them to do. And that's definitely part of the evaluation process. Cause who's in charge of drafting these players, not me, you know, NFL GMs guys who are trying to fill these people into roles. So that, 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 you know, is going to help me develop my big board as we get closer to the season. But Dane, everybody can go check you out on Twitter at DP Brugler. You're on The Athletic. You got the beast. You got your preseasons. When's the top 50 coming out? Uh,
1: Thursday. So tomorrow morning, uh, it, it'll be up on The Athletic. Um, it's got a cool uh, interface uh, with the the graphics that, that we're, we're rolling out there. So uh, I've got a Every year, you know, I got a guy that, uh, you know, I kind of go out on a limb and say, listen, I'm betting on these traits. He's going to be drafted high. You know, oh, last what? year was Christian, it was oh. Christian Gonzalez, uh, who didn't go as high as I thought he would, but still was a first-round pick. year before that was Trevon Walker, who no one was talking about as a first-rounder, but I'm like, all right, guys, these traits, um, you know, I'm telling you, he's going to go high. This year I've got a guy in my top five. Uh, I won't spoil Ooh. it, but I want people to check the top fifty. But uh, you know, a guy that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Uh, but you know, he, he's uh, he, he's a guy that I think is going to go high based on the trades. All
0: right. Well, I'll read it. And and between your top fifty and then Bruce Feldman's freak list, like the Athletic this week, it's crushing it. it it's, it's keeping us busy. So, Nino, I know I'm going to see you again soon. And let you go. <laughs> take us out this evening. You know.
2: Well, well, this is this is great. I'm glad we were able to do it with Dan on, on the clock, my man, Coach. As always, hit that button to take us away. Yes, sir. We'll catch you all later on. Take care.